That's Ooh. a vocal warm-up. Ooh, that was a big, sexy sound wave. It's like this big, it's like a warm. Ooh, it's, I like the phrase sexy sound wave. It's a big, sexy sound wave you just made. Thank you. Crawfish is trying to make some sexy sound waves of his own. You might be able to hear our cat, Crawfish, meowing in the background. He's a very sexy cat. He has a very handsome face and a very, a very stocky, beautiful body, Crawbod. He does um, have Crawbod. He's a bear. He's a, yeah, yeah, he's an otter. He's, is he an otter? Too, yeah. He's too young to be a bear. He is, you're right. He can be a bear. I think we decided he's too he's young a, and skinny. I think we decided he's a bear cub. Yeah, well, he's maybe, a bear cub. Yeah. Um. Hi, this is If It's Gay We Play. Hello. It's a podcast about gay stuff, queer stuff, trans stuff, uh, and video games. And leftism, I guess. And leftism. Not just I guess. I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. And uh, leftist politics. Um, Those are all things you can expect from this podcast. My name's Hannah, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Kai. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Welcome. They, then, theirs professionally. Welcome to the pod. Um, that's that. That's that. Thanks for listening. Now, uh, we have a topic that we're excited to talk about this week. So, um, let's... Yeah, but before that, we got some... Yeah, let's get right to those segos. segos. Let's get right on to it. Hey, Kai. Hey, Hannah. What, um, is the gayest thing you've done this week? What a wonderful question. And I, uh, feel as though... My brain and body are frozen solid, um, made of ice. It is, uh, according to my phone, negative zero out here in Denver today. Not exactly sure how that's possible, but it feels like negative five. Advanced zero. Advanced zero. Felt like negative 20 last night. Um, There are, uh, speaking of, uh, actually, uh, fuck. No, I'm saying the gayest thing I did this week. Um, The gayest thing I did this week was... uh, I had a phone call, a Zoom call last week with my, um, no, yeah, last, well, it was last Sunday, because today is Sunday. Today is Sunday, that's correct. But it was this week, in this week. It was one week ago. It was one week ago, um, uh, with my, um, beloved uncle and, uh, cousin, um, and we, uh, talked about, um, their experiences with the, uh, uh, HIV AIDS crisis in San Francisco in, um, the 80s and, uh, participating on the front lines of, uh, like the healthcare and palliative care movement there. Um, and just like, we're, we're working on a generational art project about queerness and that and that is just like so fucking exciting to me um yeah because my uncle just came out as trans and uh my cousin is whatever and um i'm whatever you know and it's like wow it's just really i'm really proud of my uncle um and you know like it's just really cool it is really i love the whole thing it's, I'm really excited about that. I think it is so rad. By the way, okay, my uncle is like 75 or some shit, and he just came out as trans. Um, it's never too late. Never too late, babies. Babies. Gender is a lifelong journey. That's right. Hannah. Yes. What's the gayest thing you did this week? Fuck, I don't know. Um, cool. <laughs> um, what did I do this week? I've been kind of in a dissociative fog all week, which I guess might by itself be the gayest thing I've done all week. 
Um, unfortunately so. Unfortunately so. Uh, yeah, it's just the maybe the gayest thing I did this week was realize that this, like I realized this before, but like re realized that I like haven't been doing well for a little bit. Uh, but I remember when I think back that this time of year, like this fall through winter time of year, are like sites of some of the most traumatic things that have ever happened to me. Um, like <clears throat> trigger warning for abuse and domestic violence. My uh, abusive ex, like the, f- the fall through winter with my abusive ex was the worst because A, I was trapped inside with her and she got worse when you were trapped inside with her. Um, and B, it, uh, I don't know, like just a bunch of really fucked up shit happened during that time. Which is all to say that, like, anniversaries of trauma are really um, uh, hard for p- people mm-hmm. in general, myself included. And it's it's sometimes hard to remember that this is, like, a prolonged anniversary of trauma for me. And so, therefore, my brain, like, I'm working on it, but still hasn't quite broken out of that cycle of... Um, like re-traumatization in that mm-hmm. time of year. And it's it's extra hard because this year the world is collapsing. Uh, in and last year and the year before. And, and, you know, yeah, and for a long past, time. Like, but like there's a pandemic this year, this winter. I've never had a, yeah. a winter in a, in a global pandemic before. Nor have I. Uh, so it's unless you were alive during the Spanish flu, uh, nor have you. Um, which that would be so cool if you were over a hundred years old and listening to our podcast. No, that, yeah, that would be yeah, cool. Not, it wouldn't be cool that you were alive during the Spanish flu. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. I, I, I made a face when Hannah cool started that you, sentence. If you were a centurion, I wonder if anybody, I wonder what, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, so anyway, point being, send us an email at if it's gay, we play at protonmail.com. If you're a centurion listening to the show, by the way, yeah, or have your, your great grandchildren send us the email or whatever. Or I bet you can, I'm, I'm, I that's you can ageist. Send, yeah, you can you're send right. us the email. You're probably, you can probably send this, especially if you're listening to the podcast. Yeah, come on. Yeah, you're right. Um, all of which is to say, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it like felt like somewhat of a relief to me to realize that I am not lazy and I am not broken. I'm just have mental illness and I am stuck. I am not stuck. I am. My brain has certain folds that make it so this time of year is really hard for me. Yeah. Um, and that I need to have more kindness. I mean, I know I need to have more. What the fuck was that? I, that was my phone. I'm so sorry. Oh, Kai. You're, you and your phone on this podcast. I don't know how it happened. It's okay. Get your phone, honey. Um. <laughs> Also, apologies if you can hear the space heater going throughout this episode. We are recording in a frigid room in our home. Uh, we record in our like dining room area, kitchen kitchen dining room area, uh, and it is so cold in this room. The only warm room in the house is the living room because there's a gas fireplace in there. Yes. Uh, everywhere else in the house is so cold. Yes. <laughs> but luckily, I have it. I'm lucky enough, privileged enough to have a nice space heater. So. Um, there's no way I'm turning it off while we record is my point. Yeah, it's very cold. I'm even wearing a podcasting scarf. So the gayest thing I did this week was realize 
my cycles of re-traumatization and uh, use it to be kinder to myself moving forward. That's lovely, Hannah. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, oh my God, thank you. I want to, my... Uh, oh my you got scared by the cat? I got scared by the cat. Wow. Um, well, he ju- he like left. Oh, honey, no. He didn't leap, but he like just jumped with his front paws really quick. Yeah. And his claws out and just kind of yanked him into my thigh uh, right quick. How brave. It was uncharacteristic, and I think he likes scaring me because I'm really easy to startle. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he has gotten into scaring us lately because he did this thing last night where um, I uh, was um, like not paying attention, and I walked by uh, a chair with a very high back, and he very quickly jumped up the back of the chair and swatted at me and spooked me, and I went, oh! And he was like, yeah. And I was like, crawfish. He's an incurable prankster. He's kind of a prankster. He's, um, a, little, he's a little trickster energy And I'm boy. very into it. He's a, uh, he's, a, he's a sacred trickster for sure. Very much all, so. I mean, all cats are, but like, he, and all, especially all black cats. Uh, but him especially. He's, he's very, he's very, he's, mis- he's very mischievous. Yeah. Um, so my mutual Puckish. aid shout out this week. Uh, is um, actually more of a request because Denver has been getting so much fucking cold and snow. Uh, the uh, Denver community mutual, uh, the Denver community fridges um, are uh, in various places throughout Denver. You can find um, a map on uh, their social media pages on Twitter or Instagram or I think Facebook as well. It's just Denver community fridge. Uh, is what you can search. Um, they need somebody to. They need people to um, shovel snow uh, in front of their refrigerators, and they also need, uh, you know, like additional supplies dropped off there. Um, like hand warmers, I know. Hand warmers. A big request. Yeah. Um, additionally, uh, so so that's that's like the first thing that I want to say is like there's there's requests and there's need. Um, but also before this, uh, the big cold snap hit uh, Denver. Um, I have been seeing uh, through the eyes of uh, a lot of the people that I know on the ground and through social media that so many different um, uh, people that I know and uh, community groups and just various, just like neighbors have been. Um, really ramping up their distro the past couple of days to make sure that as many people as possible are prepared for this awful terrible biting cold as 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 we could get um and that was just really incredible to see like like everyone in denver just kind of like rally together and just be like everyone in like the leftist community in denver just be like okay we we have to get this out now um in order for people to survive. So uh, that was really wonderful. And I really uh, am grateful that we have a community that is interested in doing stuff like that. So help out the Denver community fridges and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, definitely there are still people who need uh, hot food, hot drinks. Um, so if you are able to do that, do so. And, you know, um, if you have some spare weed perhaps consider handing it out to a neighbor yeah hand weed out to neighbors i the one of the few times i uh have ventured into a dispensary and it was because they were doing 
everything outside, so I didn't really venture into the dispensary. Um, anyway, point being, <clears throat> there was a guy out there asking people to just give up a joint, and like nobody was. I I bought joints and I gave him one because um, that's what he was asking for. And it was just... Weed helps, man. Weed if, helps. If you're buying weed, why would you judge somebody else for getting weed? Right. Like, weed helps. And if you can afford to shop at a dispensary, you can afford to give a joint away to somebody who's asking. Well, for I wouldn't stuff. go so far as to say that. No, but. yeah, that's true. But uh, uh, just th- consider. Consider... Uh, consider sharing. Consider sharing, especially if you're shopping at dispensaries. Consider sharing. Yes. Anyway... Uh, that's um, that's that's the mutual yeah. aid corner. I want to have a brief calling corner for myself. Uh, Thank you, uh, Tabletop Potluck, for that renaming, specifically yeah. Ray. Oh, oh, what was that? And the cat knocked something off of the counter. Oh, it was his own um, plaque flakes that we put in his food to help his teeth. Great. He protests them. He does not like them, no. Um. Uh, this anyway. is a very cat-heavy episode, it seems. <laughs> Our cat is being very um, shitty right now. Like yeah. He's just decided. Normally, he's very well-behaved while we're podcasting, but uh, presently, he's decided to just be a little shithead while yeah. we're recording. So that's just kind of be the energy of this podcast. I love it. He's pro- here to provide some much-needed chaos. Um, anyway, my stupid what-are-you-smoking bit last week, uh, I, it wasn't funny. I'm just sorry. It wasn't like I was trying to be... Like kind of old four twenty old fat lesbians about it, which uh, is a brand that I mostly appreciate. Um, but uh, it just wasn't funny, and I just want to say that I won't do it again. That's all. You can. I. I. I would love to encourage you if you are smoking something that you really like, or if you want to shout out like a dispensary that you really love in Denver, perhaps some of the local black-owned dispensary, perhaps some of the local black-owned dispensaries, maybe plural now, here. I, don't, um, I'm, I know of one. I know of one all. also, and that's all. But, like, like next time, like, we can do it different. Yeah, just be more conscientious about yeah. it. it. Yeah, it was just, it was, I was just trying to, to include, I don't know. Include Levity. Yeah, uh, include the audience. Levity. Yeah. Just, you know. It's like they're sitting here with us, smoking with us. Yeah. If that's something that you're into. Um, we encourage you to smoke weed while listening to our podcast. If that's if smoking weed is something you are into. Um, yeah, that's all. Hey, Hannah. Hey, yeah, Kai. What are you uh, playing this week? So I'm still playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Shocker. And the more I play it, the more I like it, the more invested I am in it. I did a That's very... That's what I hear. I hear that the longer you play, the more it gets its claws in you. Because I yeah. hear that the first two hours are kind of slow. They're a little slow. They're just kind of like generic. It starts out as, as very like generic fan, low fantasy slash sci-fi RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it, it, it morphs into something really interesting as you play. And I think it's actually well-paced for a game that long. Mm-hmm. Like it, it feels... Because it was fun enough to hook me in, it feels very satisfying to have played for like, I don't know, 20, 30 hours before I started to figure out what happened to this old world. Mm-hmm. This like this machine world that is a future from our human world now, but the distant past for like a thousand years prior to this world. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. 
so yeah, I have found my I found it getting its its little claws right in me. Its big robot dinosaur claws just hooked right into me, much like they hook into Aloy. I did a very horrifying. Uh, brain 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 what i did a very brave and sexy thing oh i was excited about whatever it was uh, gonna say. uh and turned the difficulty down to easy so i highly recommend if you're playing horizon zero dawn especially if you're playing it to like get invested in the world and story which is my favorite part about it which we'll talk more about later in this episode um you i highly recommend playing it on easy mode uh because it's just Again, your squishy little human with a bow going up against these giant robot dinosaurs, like combat is just never gonna get easier. It's like everything scales as such that like if it's a tough robot, it's a tough robot. Like and it's not gonna be less not much not that much less of a tough robot when you're level thirty than when you're level seven. Well that just goes along with my uh long standing belief that you should never be ashamed or afraid to turn the game to easy mode. Like, no. you are no less of a gamer if you play your games on easy or I if you play... love easy. Or if you play, like, fucking just The Sims or, like, Kim Kardashian's Hollywood, whatever. One of Polygon's top 100 games of the yes. decade. Yes. Um, you, uh, you are you're just as much of a gamer as anyone else. Yeah. So, I don't know, like... Play games on play easy. Games on this easy. Is my, I think I've been on this campaign. Yeah, we've on this we've been on this before. campaign for over a year. The play, play games, games on, on easy, easy campaign. Yeah. My my campaign. It's my long standing campaign. My brand on this podcast, which is hashtag games should be fun. Yes. Uh, and that was even longer of a campaign than games should be easy. That was like with the first couple episodes. Yeah, was Hannah's games, game should be fun my campaign. Games should be fun, and fun can mean many different things. But if you if if putting it on easy makes it more fun, why wouldn't you do that? is my is my it's thought. like they have it as an option for a reason right. people it's not it just enjoy it's yourself. not there to just be pretty play horizon zero dawn to enjoy yourself and i am play enjoying. a video game to enjoy yeah. yourself and enjoying it can we mean only have things. so much time on this world <laughs> play a video game to enjoy yourself and that could mean getting the shit scared out of you and that could mean stressing you out really bad uh until you are loudly so loudly hissing at your tv that you rake your roommates if you're a dark souls perhaps if you're fan. a dark souls if, fan if you're a specific dark souls fan um but i like i play games on easy if that if it makes it more fun horizon zero dawn is kind of also accomplishing the thing that you for me right now that you talked about with uh red dead redemption 2 mm, yeah, yeah, yeah in that uh i'm in quarantine still it's winter still uh, and mm. especially right now, it's for the past like week and for the next almost week, it's going to be, it has been and will be so cold. It's that, deadly cold outside yeah, in that I Denver. <clears throat> I can't go on my stupid little walks just to feel something. Um, so I, uh, and Horizon Zero Dawn is this beautiful landscape set in a familiar part of the world um, in the American Southwest, I believe. Uh and um, that's just really pleasant for me to yeah. exist in that world when I can't go exist in the in the the urban landscapes of of my the American own world. Southwest, the American Southwest, right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it's very nice. I uh, I appreciate you sharing your experience over the because still I um 
every time that I look up when you're playing Horizon Zero Dawn, it's like very interesting. But I I continue to like either sleep through it or just be doing something else through it or whatever. So you know, I haven't been watching it as closely as I watch some of your other playthroughs of other games. But it's nice. I like it. Um, it's vis- it's very visually. It pleasant. is very visually pleasant. The music is pleasant. The cat uh, seems to enjoy it. The cat enjoys it. Uh, the voice the, acting's good. The voice acting is the main character's voice acting is very, very good. All the other voice acting is between mediocre and good, which is pretty standard for just a video game. Yeah, for I mean, I would say that's actually video games. airing on the side of positive. Yeah, it's a good ratio. That's a good for a ratio lot of for a games. lot of video games. Mediocre to good. Like I, I, I would beg for that back in the early aughts. You know. Speaking of which, I started rewatching Steven Universe uh, last night, and I'm the type of person because of. The way my memory works, I have to rewatch things multiple times. And I just enjoy it. I enjoy watching things. Yeah. And the voice acting in that fucking show is so good, dude. Oh, yeah, dude. It's so good. I just, I forget, you know? It's incredible. So, um, hey, Kai. Um, hey, Hannah. <laughs> what are you playing right now? Because you're playing things. Yes. I uh, played, I, I use the word played very generally because I famously can't play horror games. So uh, I watch horror games, right? I watch playthroughs on YouTube. Um, and uh, we talked about uh, hunting duck season. Duck, duck season, season the other week. Um, hunting I, ducks. Video <laughs> game. I, I, I was thinking hunting season. I was like, no, that's a different thing. Um, but uh, I watched At Dead of Night uh, the other uh, past two days. Um, would you mind looking up who developed it? Um, because it is... A very recently out game, um, and it is a combination. Oh my god, I'm so proud of it. Of uh, I know, me too. It is a combination of uh, full motion video, um, FMV, and CGI. Uh, all the characters are um, real actors, uh, like videoed in, and all the setting is CGI. Um, and basically, it is this uh, horror game where um, who made it? Baggy Cat Entertainment. Baggy Cat Entertainment. Cool. So uh, it's this horror game where you are a young lady named Maya who is like in this very desolate area in the middle of nowhere for um, a music show. Um, a concert? A concert, as some would call it. Uh, oh, and, no. It's been so um, long we forgot what they were called. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, for a, a festival. Go. A concert a series. A series of concerts. A festival. A, a music, music festival. festival. A music festival, as some would say. Um, and uh, it's, like, horrifically rainy. So you and your friends had... Uh, your friends had gone ahead to, like, find a hotel for you to stay at instead of camping. Um, and you, for some reason, were left behind. And then you, like... Uh, are supposed to meet them at this hotel and you show up at the hotel and your friends are nowhere to be seen and um, there's just like this really creepy uh, like uh, uh, front desk person named Jimmy and he's like I'm Jimmy (laughs) do you want to see a show tonight? Is that how he talks? Basically. Um, cool. He's got like a very scary voice. That. Do you want to see a show I don't tonight? Know if, I don't know if scary is the adjective I would use to describe that voice, but I do. Well, this is my own sort of Kai-style spin on it. Yeah, I do really like it. Um, Whatever it is, and, I'm really here for and it. And he's like, it's it's a comedy act. It's very offensive and popular with the youth. 
and um you're like no thank you i would just like to go to my room um and uh he's like that's very disappointing and i hate that um that's very disappointing and i hate that. Yeah, uh, and so you go to your room, and um, what the fuck happens next? And basically, it like you you get oh yes okay. So what happens is you like hear like a noise or something, and then you get like locked out of your room after you step outside the door and then you have to like and then you go downstairs to like get a key to try to get back into your room and then you find like this spirit communication device and then you go into like the basement and then you see this ghosty um ghost and then um jimmy starts like chasing you throughout the hotel oh shit and um obviously that was gonna happen yes still. um and it becomes immediately obvious that um uh jimmy like as a child like murdered this little girl right Ooh. um and uh like that you find that out within the first like fucking very quickly i would say like hour of this game this game's only six hours long so i mean whatever spoilers um uh and there are i think four ghosts um that you have to learn the stories of to like beat this game and like solve this puzzle um and you have and you interact with these ghosts by going to uh the location where they are reenacting something that happened from their life and then you you find the location by using like a scrying mirror and a compass and then you go to the location trying to avoid jimmy um who is wandering the hotel at random kind of while like chasing you as you're making noises um and you can hide from him by going into a hotel in into the hotel rooms um, and hiding in either the bathroom or the wardrobe. Neither of those is a guarantee that he will not find you. Ooh, so like you can see, yeah, yeah. So you can see him like fucking like joltily like walking his way like a like a videotaped real person in a CGI world like through the hotel room oh, like searching so for you, and you don't know if he's gonna get you or not in your hiding place because it's not a guarantee that it's gonna work. Um, and you can, like, look through the peephole and see him, like, walking through the hallway to, like, see which way he's going. And, like, sometimes he'll, like, pop up, like, in the peephole and it's really scary. Um, and uh, basically, like, you have to track down these ghosts and find, like, relevant objects from Jimmy and these ghosties' li lives um, to, like, figure out the story of, like, Jimmy's life and, like, why Jimmy is the way that he is. And, um the the thing that i have slightly mixed feelings on but also like don't necessarily think that i get to make a judgment about but also uh, appreciate that they did at least this in the game is um a lot of games like this uh are like um oh like jimmy has uh like uh to it it's 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 it could be seen as two personalities mm. and that is not cool to people uh with um DID mm -hmm. right uh but the game actually to its credit has a um 
little uh, 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 informational like page of what is DID and how this is not DID that we're representing in the game because um, spoilers, it's not DID that Jimmy has. Like he has a ghost inside him. Yeah, I was gonna say he's probably possessed. Like he's possessed. Yeah. Um, but it. Uh, I appreciated that the game at least like provided that like informational bit. Um. Because I think that offers some more respect than other games do. But again, I don't get to make that judgment because I don't have DID. Um, so anyway, it uh, it's very very scary. Uh, the the like scenes where the um, ghosties are interacting with you are often very surprising and very scary, and some of them involve like death and um, uh, suicide and like stuff like that. So they're 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 freaky. They're yeah. freaky. When you were playing or not playing it, when you were watching it, uh, you kept like you would just be sitting there silently, and then every so often you would go, "Oh, yeah, yeah," because you'd get sporked by a ghosty. Yeah, because one of the ghosties would pop out, and I'd be like, "Oh my, oh goodness. my, um, go a geist." Yeah, the thing is, the ghosts are the jump scares. Jimmy is less of a jump scare. He's more of like the. The slow creeping yeah, dread. Yeah, like pervasive terror. Yeah, and it's really nice the way can, that can that you game. Can fight back against no, him? No, no, you cannot fight back against I Jimmy. I fucking um, hate that shit. No, uh, but it's not an instant loss if he gets you. You just lose all of your items and get put into a random room in the hotel mm. and then have to find all your items again. Oh, that sounds um, awful. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, I fast forwarded through those parts of the walk. That another reason why watching is better than actually playing because I couldn't fast forward through finding those if yeah. I was playing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, like um, it, it. I really like the way that that game balances both of those types of fear, right? Because jump scare is like a very specific like thing to achieve in a game um, that I think uh, is like. A very easy type of scare to get right um so i i really like that the things that are jump scaring you are not malevolent mm. they're not doing it on purpose like they're not they purpose just they scary. just happen to be scaring you because they're reenacting scenes from their own life that just so happen to be scaring you because like they're ghosts they're not doing it on purpose um but the thing that is scaring you is, like, the mean ghost that's inside of Jimmy um, that uh, is, like, making him, like, hurt you. Um, and, uh, like, I don't know. Those, those two kinds of fear are just very well balanced in this game. Ooh, I love that. Um, I love that as something to watch and not to play. Yeah, yeah, very enjoyable. Uh, and the thing that – and this is just a little um, – uh, uh, autistic tidbit that I enjoyed from this game. Uh, the locks on the hotel room doors are the same kind of locks as we have in our house. Fascinating. Yes. Love that. Uh, very old. Yeah, that I was going to say, say. old-ass hotel. Old-ass hotel. Uh, old-ass locks. Um, old-ass house. Old-ass house. Anyway, uh, the other game that I was playing was Animal Crossing New Horizons, yeah, which I had not that. Animal yeah, Crossing had not hustle. played since uh, some of the updates, including, like, the diving update and all that. So it's been really nice to get back into that, um, get all those new, get all those new little, little, little museum donation Goodies. tidbits, um, you know, get back into that island lifestyle. Uh, it's been nice. Uh, I got stressed out by it because it felt overwhelming to have to do things every day. 
Um, but now I am interested in having to do things every day. So that's great. It was nice. Yeah. So our main sego this week. Is, yes. Is we're going to talk about some of our since I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn and it has this beautiful uh, post-apocalyptic post. They describe it as post-post-apocalyptic uh, world because um, it is it's not you're not in the post-apocalypse. You're not like the survive first survivors struggling you're like in a world where a, a an established society has been built after this apocalypse mm-hmm. um so because it has this beautiful post-apocalyptic world we wanted to talk about some of our favorite post-apocalyptic worlds in games and games yeah 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 we did yeah, we did. Do you want to go first, Sky, or do you want me to go first? Um, I will go first, because um, my first game is... Um, I didn't immediately first, like, clock it as post-apocalypse, and I don't necessarily think that's its genre, but it has a post-apocalypse... No, I think it is post-apocalypse. It definitely is. Um, Kentucky Route Zero is my first game. I knew um, you were going to talk about that. Uh, and uh, Kentucky Route Zero, I think, uh, is definitely... It does not... In, in, in the game route that I played, I never explicitly heard, like, Aw, oh, man, it sure sucked that all the world governments collapsed and everything blew up accidentally, and Whoops. now we're in a post-apocalyptic world. But the way that everything is so weird and everything is old and, like, things are shambles and, like, put together and, like, um, it feels like humans are, like, holding on to each other tightly and, like, um, on the edges and, like, surviving and, like, kind of living in, like, memories and, like, um, it's just, it has a very strong, like, post-apocalyptic vibe to me in that, like, people are trying to maintain a sense of normalcy while also, like, trying to survive or, like, Mm -hmm. trying to regain a sense of normalcy while trying to survive, like, on, in this new sort of world that is incomprehensible to them um or at least to me it seems comprehensible to them kind of because they live in it like they seem to be operating under their own internal logic uh but it it the thing that the the image that like keeps coming to me is that um that scene in uh in the cave in Kentucky Route Zero where you have that um decrepit old computer that is like a simulation of the cave and like figuring out how to survive in the cave after like something on the outside has like gone terribly wrong um and uh that that like game within game or world within world is just like very much I think that that story and that scene embodies the the feeling of something has gone wrong. We are trying to survive. We are on the fringes of survival being capable hmm. energy, you know? Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that is 
Very cool. I need to play Kentucky Route Zero one of these days. Gorgeous, gorgeous games. Um, I call it games because there's like different like episodes and each of the episodes have like such different like stories and controls almost. I, I kind of see it as like different games, like a series of games in like 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 Mass Effect, like <laughs> like any game series. Like any game series. I don't yeah. Anyway. I don't know. Mass Effect's on the brain though for yeah, sure. Right it, now. Yeah, it is. It's coming out that, so soon. That less that butt free legendary edition coming out fucking i cannot believe that they're cutting out all the butts i don't know if they're cutting out all the butts they're getting rid of every butt there's only above the waist shots now that would be such a damn shame you can't see anyone's legs i mean i just why yeah yeah um that would sick that would rot sick it is sick it's sick and depraved is Uh, what it is a fucking perverse over there um I want to talk about jumping off of Kentucky Route Zero. Yeah, give me yours. Into people trying to like find a new normal and survive in the fringes of this, like the fringes of survivability in this sort of abandoned world. Um, and I, yeah, this it's it seems like an odd intro to this series, but when you think about it, that's really what it is, and that's Borderlands. Um, and specifically, so there are only two. Here's a. I don't think this is a hot take. There are only two good Borderlands games because there are only two well-written Borderlands games. Uh, And one of them is Borderlands 2, who is written by Anthony Birch, who is Ashley Birch, who is Aloy's voice actor's brother. Yes. Um, The the world of video games is small. Yes. Uh, Anyway, Borderlands 2 and Tales from the Borderlands are the only good Borderlands games. And Tales from the Borderlands is probably the best Borderlands game, in my opinion. Um, because it actually gives you that, what we were just talking about, these people, like, like it gives you people who are residents of Pandora, and so it's not just, like... The heroes. Yeah, it's not just, like, you're this vault hunter hero, and you're going through, and you're shooting everybody in the face, and you're having an excellent time doing it, because Borderlands 2 is a really fun game. Um, and you are, like, you know, joking around, and but also there's, like, fucked up shit happening. It's like it focuses on uh, two people who work for Hyperion, who is the corporation that is sort of taking over this new world. That has killed the world. Well, that the corpor- is killing the world. The that corporation is- that killed the world, the corporation that killed Pandora, was mostly the Doll Corporation. And then they're, the Doll and Atlas were the corporations that pulled out. And they're the ones who started this. They're the reason that this society has fallen apart. So this, I see. they built this society on this world. Like all the all the psychos and all the bandits are like ex employees of these corporations who were just abandoned on this planet to survive, um, and that is interesting in and of itself. I think that it's yeah it's, for sure. It's this picture. Borderlands, when you boil it down, is this picture of this corporate dystopia. It's a planet that was completely taken over by corporations, and then the corporations died or left. Uh, and the new corporations are like, like the new corporations are basically only supplying weapons to the people of this world. Yeah. Um, that is, I don't know. It's an interesting society. And then Tales from the Borderlands, you get to see the like more human aspect of that, the more human elements of that. So it's two two people who work for Hyperion, and then your other characters are all people who are on Pandora, residents of Pandora. Uh, and that, I don't know, it's just you, you, one of the two characters you play as Fiona is this kind of like rogue, like she like apprenticed under this grifter because that's the 
kind of one of the best ways to survive on Pandora is to grift. Um, and uh, it's just about like, she's just an interesting person. They're just interesting people in Tales from the Borderlands. And I think it shows that this otherwise kind of like silly, big, triple-A shoot-em-up game actually yeah. created this world with this lore that is actually interesting yeah actually interesting and can tell a really like human story of of trying to survive on the fringes in a dystopia yeah as opposed to just kind of like a um a weekly run and gun sort of episodic sort of like here's one mission now here's the next you're a hero right Do it. there's a whole mission that's top gun here's your top gun yep. mission yeah and there's a robot that says sphincter like it's funny it's funny uh it can be that and and it certainly is that, um, but it can also be this more uh, these yeah these more like human stories. Yeah, I love that. Um, I want to hop on that uh, corporate dystopian train and ride it all the way to uh, the uh, outer worlds. Um, yeah, the, the outer worlds is. Uh, I, I'm jumping around on my list a little bit. It's, I think, probably I'm also jumping around my, list. my number three in terms of um, post-apocalypse. But what's interesting about The Outer Worlds uh, and why I almost didn't include it, but um, it replaced a uh, double that we had uh, where we overlapped um, uh, because it's sort of uh, ongoing apocalypse. Like, it's post-apocalypse, but the people don't know it yet. Yeah. Which is... Very interesting because, like, as in the apocalypse of running out of food and not being able to produce more food and, like, the total intellectual, like, brain drain of society, like, like they purposefully did not um, uh, wake up, like, the, the scientists or, like, anyone who could, like, save their asses, um, uh, like, was in my opinion, the apocalypse and, like, the corporations, like, being the only people who were out there, like, is, like, the apocalypse or whatever. Yeah, um, I, I have described, because I've played Outer Worlds, and I have described Outer Worlds as, like, what happened before Borderlands, like, right yeah. before Borderlands. Yeah, like exactly. Before everything really, really fell apart. So it's almost not a post-apocalypse game as it is an apocalypse game. Totally. So it's kind of me cheating a little bit. I think but, that's fine. Uh, you know, whatever. I think Lucy it's a Goosey. dystopia. I think it definitely be... is a dystopian game. That's for sure. Um, and uh, I just, I love the Outer Worlds, um, but as more time goes by, I like it less. Um, mm. Because, like, the game, I love the story. Totally. And I will always love the story, but the gameplay is like less and less engaging. Totally, uh, it doesn't have a over lot of time. It doesn't have a lot value. of replay value now. Um, but the story is like really good and really interesting to think about because um, I just am very. I would really be interested if like a sort of Tales from the Borderlands equivalent was provided to the Outer Worlds. Yeah, um, like though, a more story based. I, I wish that would happen. I doubt that ever will. But like, I would be very curious to see how like the average person is forced to exist on any one of those planets, um, like Monarch especially, uh, just like um, 
basically uh in the world of the outer worlds uh very similar to borderlands um there are like these five main corporations um and they uh are all a part of part of this corporate board that like oversees this entire solar system that they like bought and went to to colonize um and uh like as corporations um and basically they're like trying to uh work the people that came with them like as indentured servants like uh to death effectively um and some of these people have not liked that and left and like uh are being punished for that as a result um and so you as like the the hero of this game um basically get to choose whether you support uh the status quo of the corporations or like people who are rebelling and without your support the rebellion will fail and uh with your support like it will succeed and while i don't necessarily love that messaging of like the it hinges on one person to make a difference uh you know, I do... Somebody's got to be the protagonist of the video game. I suppose so. I do definitely like um, the uh, the portrayal of all this fucking capitalism and colonialism as evil. Um, and this uh, very strong, like, association with uh, sort of um, settler colonialism colonialism with capitalism uh being being inherently tied is is very uh appealing to me like as an understanding um as a game and um i some of the like just little details of like stuff that is miserable in this world is just like chef's kiss because it's stuff that's miserable in our world too yeah like, just fucking bureaucracy. Like, you just hear characters complaining about, like, fucking bureaucracy. Yeah, bureaucracy, underpaid labor, uh, lack of Like, there's this one, workers. people have to pay, like, every month to be, to, uh, for, for one corporation to, uh, to have the right to, like, a grave. Yeah. Um, it's, would they die? Yeah, it's, 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 like, hyperspace America. Yeah. Hyper yeah. hyper America in space. Yeah, it's 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 something else. Yeah, you have to like rent essentially literally rent the ability to live and die from yeah. these corporations. It's, it's something. It's something. What's uh, what's your next game, Hannah? I want to talk a little bit more about the world of Horizon Zero Dawn because I think it's uh, a good jumping off point because the apocalypse, as far as I know so far, in Horizon Zero Dawn appears to be sort of a uh, scorched earth based on corporate greed. Oh, yeah. Um, because what happens is, I mean, spoilers for all this. Spoilies. Spoilies for Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, you, so I'm still, again, I'm still uncovering like what specifically happened, but I know that there was this corporation run by this like Uber Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, who in this world was the world's first trillionaire. So he's like the most capitalist, hyper-capitalist. Um, and he... Ew. Yeah. He owns this robotics corporation uh, that this scientist like helped start but then left because the robotics corporation started by making like ex like personal service robots, like con consumer accessible robotics. Um and uh, electronics, because in this world, like, robotics is much more ubiquitous. Sure. 
Um, but then they start, of course, as all robotics corporations seem to do, uh, they start producing military technology. What? What? Uh, and then they get way fucking richer. Um, yeah, no shit. So they produce these robots, uh, and the robots, the AI eventually goes rogue, and the robots, so the robots eat biomass as fuel, and that's what happened to, like, like, there's plants and animals in this world, as we've discussed, because in the eternal question, what do you eat? Yes. Um, there's, the animals seem to be foxes, rabbits, rats, salmon, turkey, and boar, and that's it. Um. I mean, you know, open world. I mean, there's like bugs too, and there's little birds, uh, but you can't hunt those. Open world games can only have so many animals in them. That's true. I understand. Um, but the other explanation is that the bigger like macrofauna was essentially eaten by these robots, and yeah. it extincted a lot of the larger species on the earth. Um, and it, the AI goes rogue and just starts stripping the earth, and also, of course, killing humans. Um, and there's this mysterious Project Zero Dawn that somehow like preserved humanity but i don't know what is that is yet i'm in the in the process of discovering what project zero dawn was wow uh but it's this very obviously literal the first time that you heard them say that did you say that's the name of the game i did yeah great yeah i did cool you have to just checking yeah you, yeah you gotta yeah. hey that's the name of the game yeah i know um so project zero dawn don't know what that is but it's this world where uh, again, these societies have been reforged, um, and there's strong, like the, uh, I spent a lot more, t I've been spending a lot more time in Karja territory and they're a very like militaristic people and they have like these big elaborate stone buildings built into these mesas and stuff. Um, whereas the Nora is more like Viking lodges and like wood buildings mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, it's just interesting to see the different, like, aesthetics of these different people. There's the Osaram, who are a much more, like, smith-based society. Um, and not all, because I talked about the Nora being a matriarchal society. Not all, the rest of these societies seem to be patriarchal, so. Um, well. Well, you can only be so cool. Well. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's in this interesting place, because it's, like, the machines, which have been docile for many years, are, like, starting to attack humans again. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So this is new. Yeah. So in the last, like, in this war, in in the game, in the last twenty years, the robots started like going rogue again, and we don't know why. And so I was trying to figure out like, what was Zero Dawn? How do we stop the robots from destroying our yeah, world yeah. again? Um, and it kind of reminds me of like Mass Effect and the Reapers to a certain degree, even though humans sure. didn't create the Reapers. It reminds me a lot of the Matrix. Um, with, uh, except in the Matrix, the humans scorched the Earth. Which, the humans did scorch the Earth because we made the robots, and then the robots went rogue. Yeah, so I mean, really. It's our fault, no matter how you slice yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's just this really cool, I don't know, it's like way more interesting as a post-apocalypse narrative than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, as a big, like, AAA game. Um, I was sort of expecting it to be sort of, like, surface level, but I'm surprised. There's so much lore and so much, like, depth to the world. You can yeah. discover, like, all these both modern documents to the time that, like, flesh out the the society. It's, it's really cool because the writers of this game have essentially invented two excellent, like, two... Two worlds. Two, two worlds. narratives, yeah. yeah. Like, two... Uh, One layered on top of the other. Totally. Uh, two really fleshed out narratives yeah. uh, layered on top of each other. It's it's interesting to me, too, because just like you, yeah, I uh, I have 
managed to go without spoilies for Horizon Zero Dawn for years. Um, I had no idea what the story was about, and I uh, I just knew it was uh, Lady Fights Robot Animals. Yeah, I knew it was um, Lady Fights Robot Dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, um, and that was pretty much all I had to go off of. Um, so the the complexity of this world has just been delightful for me to uh, witness through your through your eyes, really, because I was not expecting it at all. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it at all either, and it's been it's been a real delight to get invest accidentally invested in a game where the world, uh, the story is something I'm very invested in. Which originally I was just playing it because I wanted an open world RPG to be high and run around in. Yeah. Um, and it's still that, and it's still great for that. Uh, but also I find myself like actively wanting to pursue the main quest, and that is rare for me in open world games where I'm like. Not that I don't want to pursue the main quest in most open world games, but where the thing I want to do most yeah, is yeah. the main quest. Yeah, is the main quest, where that appeals to you that much. I mean, like I was saying for fucking Red Dead Redemption, I avoid the main quest at all costs because it's terrible and very offensive to me. Yeah, and it does, yeah, does, does not appeal, to say the least. Yes, for a whole variety of reasons. Yeah. My, um, uh, my one complaint about Horizon Zero Dawn is it has not given me the opportunity to be gay, but it hasn't given me the opportunity to be straight either. So I think it just might be a romance-free game, my friend. I think it might be a romance-free game, and I'm, I keep being like wary because men have – no women have flirted with me, but men have flirted with me. And there's a couple of options that I could have – your dialogue choices seem to have absolutely no impact on the world whatsoever. Sure. Other than just like how you respond. You say a thing. You say a thing. Um, and who knows? Maybe I'll find out that they, in fact, did matter. Matter, But so far, it doesn't seem like they matter. Um, but so I've been wary because I don't want this game to force me to be heterosexual. But yeah. so far, it's not forced. It's 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 not. It's well, just letting me focus on truth and justice. So and killing robots. Yeah, I'm pretty gay for truth and justice. I'm so gay for truth and justice and robots. I'm not gay for killing them, but I am gay no, for them. but I am gay for them. Uh, so my next game on the list, speaking of being gay for robots, is um, Fallout. Yeah. Um, it's actually a game series because, uh, in my opinion, um, the Fallout games made by, uh, like, more of the original Fallout people, like Fallout 1, 2, and Fallout New Vegas are probably the the best Fallout, like, lore world-building games. Um in terms of uh, like what interests me as as a player uh, and what interests me about this this world that they've created, um, because the the world of Fallout has been talked about so much, uh, but the the way that like um, the first two Fallout games, you are. Uh, basically like somebody who has to set out to um save like your community um and you go out into the world after being a member of like a very small community for a very long time um and then uh like meet all of these people and have all of these experiences in this world that like was not like this for a very long time. Um, similarly, uh, Fallout, I think, to an extent, layers multiple worlds on top of each other, right? Because there's the current world with all of its politics and, like, groups. Um, and then there's the previous world with all yeah, of its politics and groups. very similar to Horizon Zero um, Dawn. And uh, the previous world uh, is 
it's interesting to me in that it's like very much um sort of hyper capitalist uh parody of like sort of 1950s american sensibilities um because that is like uh the the era that uh the world ended in basically it was kind of like a they they also imitated like the cold war was sort of going on at the time like it was um a really interesting sort of setting that they provided uh yeah it was like the 50s with robots yeah it was the 50s with robots and also um interesting politics individual characters as well as scientific advancements that provide a unique backdrop for the rest of the series i'm not even going to talk about fallout 4 because i do not care to include that um uh canon within my mythos your feelings Uh, on fallout 4 are very well documented on this podcast Um, but uh but anyway uh so like the fact that um super mutants exist is directly as a result of like scientific experiments from the old world and uh the way that uh synthetic humans exist and like cyborgs exist is from the old world as well and um the it's just like the way that sort of like all of those things translated into the next world is just very fascinating to me um and then sort of the way the way that fallout like created this this new world uh they they took a lot of opportunities to just like explore a lot of really interesting concepts that appeal to me as a player um just like a lot of really interesting uh moral choices and opportunities and exploration like um uh chances as well um and uh just sort of like in fallout new vegas especially that's probably the one that i've played the most um my view of what was good and right in that game has like evolved over time as my personal politic has evolved as like my personal polemics have evolved and that's like really interesting for me to think about because uh originally i remember always like playing through and being like oh well the uh the ncr is like the correct decision for the new california republic like making this all under government control is like the smartest choice um but like nowadays i'm like this should be free this should be independent like this should be like under its own anarchist jurisdiction um so it's just really interesting to like play through these games uh that i've played like many times um over the years uh and examine like my own understandings of the world through them that is excellent i love that um yeah some of the things you were talking about the the aesthetic i didn't really talk about of horizon zero dawn is something that i also appreciate it actually it reminds me of fallout in a way because it's like this new world built sort of out of this old world like all the armor that i think is really interesting in uh horizon zero dawn is like made out of clearly like scrounged bits of like metal or plastic from the old world which i think is very cool um 
And that kind of reminds me of Fallout, in a way. That is really cool. So I don't have any snappy transitions into my other games uh, from that. But uh, my next game I want to talk about is Dishonored, which uh, right now Patrick Gill from Polygon is uh, streaming on his personal Twitch channel. Um, and he's a good streamer. I enjoy his streams. Both, uh, I just enjoy watching him play games, yeah. and I en- he enjoy hearing him talk. He's yes, has he? His I find him pleasant. His dulcet tones. His dulcet, the dulcet tones of Patrick Gill. Yes, uh, and it reminded me how much I love that game and how much I love that world. Yeah, Dishonored. Dishonored. Uh, Dishrag. Um, um, I love that game. I love the aesthetic of the world. It's this sort of like industrial revolution London, but it's not, it's this like series of islands and it has an empress, but uh, everyone has American accents. Yeah, it's like some, it's something different. It's like if something different happened kind of along the way. Yeah, yeah. But it's very like reminiscent of like, like aesthetically like industrial revolution era London. Or I suppose probably like New York. I don't know. New New Amsterdam. Amsterdam. That's. Uh, And it's, it's. It's a dis- I don't think it's post well, it's sort of undergoing in the first game it's sort of undergoing an apocalypse. Yeah, very, very a- similar to the uh the uh my use of outer worlds. Yeah. So totally. I'll I'll allow this. It's uh it's undergoing a plague based apocalypse and it feels very salient right now. Um, yeah. but there's a mysterious plague that's turning people into kind of zombies, these weepers. Um and it's it's destroying it has just that plus the assassination of the empress has essentially destroyed this society um very quickly and you're in this crumbling city where like most of it is like walled off because of the plague and there's there's roving gangs and there's a totalitarian police presence um and just like these it's it just feel it kind of hits it hits a little close to home yeah right now um and that's part of why i'm enjoying rewatching or watching it uh having played it um but i also just really like i don't know it, honestly mo- dishonored for me is mostly about the aesthetic i like the world and the world um is very fleshed out there's mm-hmm. lots that you can can see and find in the world that uh like, there's a really interesting spirituality. There's this very totalitarian church, but then there's these people who worship the outsider, who's this yeah. sort of, like, occult trickster god. Emo. emo hot, emo, occult trickster god. Yeah. And he's the one who, like, gives you your special powers uh, in both games. Um, and, yeah, so that's really cool. Sorry, I keep, <laughs> I keep uh, z- uh, stalling on my train of thought a little bit, but it's... Uh, it's mostly aesthetic, but I do, I like that. I like games that build a fleshed out spirituality for that world, for their world. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Which the like Dragon Age Inquisition does. Yeah. Ooh, is the yeah, only like other Dragon game Age. that I can think of. Well, I'm Whole so sorry, Dragon not Age the series. only other game that I can think of. It's the first game that comes to mind when I think of a game that has developed like a really intense spirituality. But uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 uh, is a game that's all about spirituality. It's rare, I feel like, to see that outside of the context of, like, high fantasy. That's actually a great point, because both of those are high fantasy games. Yeah, like, I feel like, and 
are you could argue I think that Dishonored is high fantasy because there is magic in it. And I there don't experience it as high fantasy, but I don't though. I don't experience it as high fantasy either. But there are many fantastical yeah. elements uh, in it, and you do have actually magic powers given to you by a god. It probably is considered fantasy, but it's not high fantasy. Yeah, and it it again it feels more sci fi e than it does fantasy. Yeah, yeah, like it. I don't know. I think it might just be the art style or something it's about it. Style. It's well, like a it's lot of things. It's this kind of like steampunk yeah, world. Yeah, it's very that steampunk. You're in. Uh, and steampunk is somewhere in between sci fi and fantasy, I would argue. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but it is a very steampunk world. And I'm just a slut for steampunk. Oh, yeah. I just always have been. Since I discovered it as an aesthetic in high school, I have stand. I don't know if I stand steampunk because there's a lot of unsavory characters. Sure. In but I mean, there's a lot of unsavory world. characters everywhere. Yeah, there's unsavory goths coming out the wazoo, and yet I still stand goth. So I suppose I could I could say uh, uh, that I stand. Yeah, punk. break out those little goggles, throw them on. Yeah, break break out the goggles and the top hats, throw them on. Yeah. Get, get in an airship and fly. Get a laser gun. Why get not? Get a laser gun. Who knows? Who cares? Whatever. It's dishonored. Um, I love Dishonored. You should play it. It's also just a really fun game. It's a great game. Uh, and I like how there are direct, like the way that you play directly influences the like morality of this world. Like the way that you play direct, yeah, directly Yeah, and like the way that the world is. Just... And like how quickly the apocalypse progresses. Kind of similar yeah. to Outer Worlds actually. Where... Kind of similar to real life. Yeah, kind of similar to real life. Uh, where if you go outside without wearing a mask, the apocalypse progresses faster each yes. time. Yeah. Wear a fucking mask, you ding-dongs. Um, I hope if you're listening to our podcast that you're already wearing a mask. If you're not, we're very disappointed in you. Yes. Put a mask on, you ding-dong. And if you are unable to wear a mask, uh, I hope you are um, not leaving your house. Um, or, like, like I have been hearing... Uh, anyway. Yeah. it's We don't need to get into yeah. that. That It's going to make us too sad. Um, I'll, I'll get too angry. Yeah. We'll get too bad sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dishonored. 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 Dishonored fucks. Dishonored fucks. The world fucks. That's the just how I read it. Fucks. Like, I love it. It's yeah. so good. Um, What's your next game, Kai? My next game is uh, kind of, uh, it's it's also similar to um, uh, Dishonored in that it is an ongoing, like, apocalypse, uh, but it is such a long series that there's, like, so much fucking going on in it that it's like what you know what who's to say um resident evil is the next game that i'm going to talk about um there's like approximately 1000 there's so many resident evil games uh and there's so much about all of them um but my favorite thing about the resident evil games is how involved complex and just absolutely buck wild like the lore and the backstory that is not required for you to play the games but that is present that you can learn if you want to to gain a different understanding of of the world that you are existing in in raccoon city and the surrounding areas including um uh unfortunately uh in a sincere deeply colonizer move uh, i think in resident evil 5 africa uh i think i have no idea where in africa i do not know if it is specified in the game uh that is a game that i did not watch a playthrough of yeah. um uh 
but this this game has like intense uh detail of how um uh the umbrella corporation is like the cause of this apocalypse right and there's all of these um fascinating things that you can learn about the uh viruses that they created and the origins of these viruses and how these viruses spread and the individuals that were involved with um the spreading of these viruses and the like individual poor choices and malevolent actions and accidents that like led to this and um accidents that happened as a result of negligence that led to this as well as greed um and like the spread of uh the virus in raccoon city can be uh, uh like uh pointed at like three people for like doing it like kind of accidentally kind of on purpose because they made a virus but um it's it's fucking crazy to to uh sort of think about the the level of irresponsibility required at all levels of the umbrella corporation and also active malevolence and hatred for uh humankind um to like allow this sort of thing to happen uh and it fascinates me deeply. Again, um, it hits a little close to home. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Uh, and I think that's the case with most of these, like, apocalypse scenarios, right? Is there's a reason why they're scary. Like, the yeah. Resident Evil's a horror game for a reason. And, yeah. it, and it doesn't just include... It's not just because, like, the zombies are scary looking and they jump scary. It's also because, for me at least, like, the idea of a corporation is... Scary the existential real. terror of this world where because of corporate greed, there's a world altering, in that case, ending pandemic. Uh, gee, I wonder why that scares you or makes you angry. Yeah, I wonder. Well, what's your next game, Hannah? Uh, penultimate game. That was my penultimate game. That was your penultimate game. Uh, my penultimate game. I think I'm going to talk about uh, Portal next. Ooh. Uh, specifically, I want to talk about Portal 2 just because the, well, A, so Portal takes place in the world of Half-Life and the apocalypse that is happening in the first Portal game, um, they're just sort of unclear at what point in the apocalypse it is, uh, is the apocalypse caused by Half-Life, which is also caused by corporate greed, unleashing demon monsters into the world. Yeah. Um, much as with Doom. Um, and uh demon aliens into the world uh so but you don't see any of the demon aliens in portal you just see this one person trapped in this sort of personal hell and i think that is a really interesting story to tell in that apocalypse world it's like one test subject got trapped in the test facility and this is their story yeah. whereas there is this much larger apocalypse happening outside of the world um, I also just really, on a purely aesthetic level, love the, like, nature-reclaiming decay of the the test facility in mm -hmm. Portal 2. Like, yeah, I just it's think way Portal different. Portal 2 is such a pretty game um, because of that. Like, Portal 1 sort of ne necessarily was just recycled Half-Life textures. Like, it was just blank walls, mostly. Yes. Um, but Portal 2 gets a lot more creative, and it's because this apocalypse is more advanced, there's more decay that has happened, and it's an unknown number of years that you've been in cryogenic freezing, essentially, that you've been in hibernation. Uh, you get to see 
more of this advanced decay and because you get to see more of the facility you get to see a little bit more of like what happened here like what was happening here while all the other stuff was happening with black mesa and right. like half-life like and what what's here yeah and if and it played i haven't played that i've watched a playthrough of the first half-life um i have not watched a playthrough of half-life 2 i haven't played any half-life um but i think especially played together portal and half-life i don't know they tell like two different one like deeply personal side of this story and one like more personal but more like societal yeah. view of this story as more of a the portal two is if portal two is the or portal is the micro then half-life is the macro of this apocalypse um and i think that's really interesting how they play into each other and more than that i think portal two is a really beautiful game and i i personally like i love watching like abandoned stuff youtube channels like urban exploration youtube oh, yeah. channels because i love abandoned human structures like i love nature reclaiming human structures it's like I one of too. my favorite aesthetics um it's wabi sabi it's uh it's just the power urban of the decay earth. urban decay i love it not the makeup i love the makeup i have no opinion on the makeup uh it's but it's vegan and pretty chill there's no bad people associated with it great to my knowledge great then i have neutral still have neutral opinions on the makeup yeah um, but the concept, uh, and Portal 2 is just a really beautiful urban decay world. And it's also just a fantastic game. It's a very fun game. My games, by the way, have been in no particular order. They haven't been in order of like how much I like them. They've just been in order of yeah, I mean, like talking about them. I, I don't necessarily have like a list of games that I like the most be similar to the fact that I don't have a list of of in order like books that i like the most or movies that i like the most because like everything's a mood man everything's a vibe yeah everything's just a vibe anyway um, the vibe of portal 2 is a very good melancholy melancholy and yet hopeful yeah vibe um my number one game on this list uh is is the game that i wanted to surprise hannah with um, because it is an unexpected entry, but uh, I think it is probably one of my favorite post-apocalyptic worlds, or uh, as I might say, poke-apocalyptic worlds, because it is Pokemon. Okay. Um, Pokemon um, actually canonically uh, takes place after um, a great and terrible war uh that decimated the world that pokemon live in uh, and people live in you learn about this by talking to um randos like throughout the series of games which i know through having played uh like everyone since blue and red um and talking to everyone since blue and red and um also like watching videos on youtube compiling all of these like individual snippets of conversation and you can gather that um Pokemon, uh, in the world of Pokemon, there was this really big war between, like, two superpowers that, like, decimated fucking everything. And, like, everyone learned that, like, whatever they were doing before was not sustainable and not cool. So they built this new sort of more utopian society that is far less uh, internationally connected than previous societies, it seems, um, in, in the game world, not the anime, um, because it's much harder to go from region to region in the game world, uh, uh, and that, like, sort of localization of, like, existence, um, is partially because, uh, like, international communication got destroyed, uh, mm. in the war, um, and it, like, 
part of the reason why there are fewer adults is because they all died. They all died in the, in war. the war. Interesting. Um, and that's why there's so many older people and younger kids like allowed to like go out and about and like do these things. Um, it's a fascinating like dystopian polka backstory. Polka backstory. Um, behind, it's a polka dystopian. Yeah, behind like why Pokemon World is the way that it is now. Um, but. Yeah, Pokemon is one of my favorite dystopian uh, slash po- not dystopian post-apocalyptic now utopian worlds. Um, Pokemon, baby. I have a question for you. I have an answer. How long were you thinking of the joke Poke-apocalyptic? For a second before I said it. Interesting. I loved it. I just it felt like that one was one that had been like germinating in the chamber. Nope, that was one. <laughs> it was one second cu- off, off the, the cuff. cuff, baby. That's great. That's fantastic. Yep. But I, I, yep, I'm very proud of that one. Uh, Hannah, what's your number one game on this list? My number one game on this list uh, is Bastion. Um, mm. And Bastion takes place in the immediate, immediate aftermath of essentially a nu- nuclear apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not nukes, but it is. So it takes spoilers for Bastion. Um, spoilers, there is a, it takes place like, moments after this great explosion called the Calamity mm-hmm. uh, has completely decimated this world uh, and just, like killed by turning into stone almost everybody in it, in the society, Ceylandia, that you are in. Um, and it, it decimated, so there's, it has these multiple layers of like politics in it, but it's not like a new society that's been built. It's two societies. There's the Ceylandians and the oh fuck, what are they called? I don't know. Hold I've never on. played Bastion. Is it Zora? No, that's from. That's from Zelda. That's from Zelda. Fuck. That's okay. It's not Nora. That's from Horizon Zero Dawn. What about the Laura? It's definitely Is not. Is it the, the Bora? Laura. Hold on, it's gonna really bother me. Is it the Cora? Is it the Legend of Cora? The the Remora. The, it's definitely the Remora. Ceylandia and the Zathora. Is it the Zathora? The Lenora. Because I don't remember what they're called. It's okay. It's fine. Whatever. There's two societies, and they're both dealing with like the aftermath of this. There's the they live in a place called the Tazel Terminals. I can tell you that. Um, Oh God, it's bugging me so bad that I don't know what they're called. Uh, But you are playing as this kid who somehow didn't die and wakes up immediately after this this calamity and goes to the bastion and you're trying to like rebuild the bastion to like rebuild this world. Uh, but you find out pretty quickly uh, or not pretty quickly, but you find out as the game goes on that the calamity was intended as an act of war by Ceylandia against this other uh, race of people. Oh boy. Ura. They're called the Ura. Oh my God. Ooh. Wow. They're called the Ura. Um, against the Ura. <laughs> God, that was going to bother me yeah. for such a long time. I'm so glad. Uh, and that I'm so glad we got there. I don't mean I'm glad that it was going to bother you. I'm glad that you said it. Yeah, I'm glad yeah, that we got there. Yeah, yeah. So you find out that it is colonialism and capitalism and greed and just militarism that have scorched this earth. You know, what's interesting is I'm starting to notice a theme but, yeah. uh, in all of these apocalypses that there seems to be some sort of like consistent thread that is causing them um have you noticed i you know it's so weird that you say that it's so weird how the end game of capitalism seems to be a scorched earth 
huh. or is a scorched earth. I don't huh. want to say seems to be. So weird. 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 Weird how uh, colonialism and imperialism uh, uh, kills people until there's no more people to kill. Yeah. So you 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 have you have these friends, two of whom are Ura, one of whom is Ceylonian, like you, um, and you are all trying to rebuild the Bastion together. But you like you learn this truth, and like one of your Ura friends uh, leaves and like goes back to the Tazel terminals, and then the Ura attack you. And it's basically it's like you don't know. Like, you're just trying to, like, survive yeah. in this world and just trying to, like, build this bastion because this guy tells you that it's going to make things better. Uh, but you don't, like, what am I trying to say? But you, you don't, don't You know. don't know fully that you're, like, the good guy, you know? Yeah. Like, you don't feel like the good guy necessarily. Yeah. Um, and then you get to the end, and this is a huge spoiler for the end of the game, but you can make a choice with the bastion once it's... Uh, set up that you wait. Can... Don't spoil it because okay. I'm gonna play it eventually. Okay. Remember, right. you can make a big. Yeah, I just didn't know if you were actually gonna play it. I would still like to. Okay, you can make a big choice at the end of the game that like impacts how this world will go forward and how it will be rebuilt. Wow. Um, and you get to directly choose like how that happens. Woof. In this, it's beautiful. In this really really interesting choice. So I like that. I like. I wanted to include a game, uh, where it was like. The apocalypse has just happened, like a big cataclysmic event, not necessarily, well, they're all big cataclysmic events, yeah. but anyway, Bastion, uh, well documented, is one of my favorite games, and it is uh, an immediately post-apocalyptic game with interesting politics, interesting narrative uh, about the price of greed, essentially, the price of greed and militarism. Red Strings Club. Red Strings Club. That's dystopian, not yes. really apocalypse, but I but love that game. Dystopian. And I just want to say that the name of it more often on this podcast again. Yeah. Red Strings Club. Red Strings Club. A game I that love that game. I would very much like to play at some you point. You must play it. You okay. must play it, okay. Hannah. All right. It is uh, one of the best games that I've ever played, and I think about it at least once a week. Amazing. Amazing. Thank Incredible. you. Um, this has been a very fun episode. I yeah, hope that you I've have enjoyed, enjoyed it. A lot. Um, next week, we are uh, expecting a guest on our episode, which is going to be fun. Yeah, that's really exciting. Hopefully, it, it works out. Uh, some stuff came up last time. Yeah. Uh, we scheduled with them. But yeah, it's cold yeah. and everything is hard and sucks. Everything is hard and sucks. That's true. And my goodness, I this level of cold impacts my arthritis and body so much so uh let's my, wrap up so you can go my heart down. Uh, yes my heart my the thing i was gonna say is my heart goes out to all of my other disabled uh community out there who is dealing with the cold uh this season um you know thinking of you it's a bummer so thanks for listening to our pod. This has been If It's Gay We Play. Uh, we've been a podcast. If you want to talk to us about your, we would love to hear about your favorite dystopian or post-apocalyptic games, uh, you can uh, send those to us in one of two ways. You can email us at ifitsgaywePlay at protonmail.com um, or you can add us, DM us on Twitter. Um, we will respond either way and mm -hmm. we will love reading it. So we're on Twitter at gay gamers, G A Y G A M E R Z. Yes. Uh, that's where you can find us on social media. Uh, really just on Twitter. Um, 
follow us both for updates about this podcast and about uh, mutual aid and number and leftist politics and cop watching when there's protests. Yeah. So it's a great resource for things other than just these two dipshits talking about video games. Um, you can support us if you want financially. You can do that by going to anchor.fm slash if it's gay we play um, or going to coffee. That's ko fi dot com slash gay gamers with a Z. Uh, that will allow you to give us a little bit of money if you want. And that money doesn't just go to us, although it does go to us and we are appreciative of that. Yeah. Um, it goes to uh, helping fund mutual aid things in number yes you uh, can also uh send us money on venmo at gay gamers g-a-y oh yeah i forgot we had a venmo now. m-e-r-z um yeah that, Just, might, be, that yeah. might be easier for some people whatever's easiest um and no press but we would love we have a couple people who are monthly subscribers and we really appreciate those folks uh and we've gotten a few, it just feels it feels neat to um be able to use money that we get making our art to help people yeah that feels neat it does feel neat so thanks for listening uh i've been hannah that's been kai i've been kai thank you to aaron uh our producer for producing our podcast and for our theme song yep it's a bop it's bop um thank you to anchor fm for uh hosting our podcast thanks for hosting our pod and uh you know keep playing gay and keeping games and fuck shit up and fuck shit up goodbye goodbye